Hey, y'all, this is Jeff McClinic. Um, excited for you to listen in on today's podcast. Uh, I preached the message last night on um, the five ingredients to a culture that ministers to the heart of the Lord and lives out the gospel every day. Because uh, I believe we're in a time where, where the Lord needs to be the builder of things. And how do we partner with Him so that we make sure He is building it and the laborers are not laboring in vain. So I hope you enjoy this and uh, bless you and thank you. Thank you, Jesus. That's the beauty of what happens when the Lord leads something. It's way better than if we could do it. I mean, you didn't all come here to hear me preach. Praise God. You came here for him. And we're doing our best to let him lead these nights. And we wanna experiment with the idea that Jesus is the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the teacher, and the shepherd of the house. And so when he calls an audible, uh, we wanna yield to him. Um, I have a couple points tonight. I'm not usually a point guy or a one, two, three, ABC type of guy. Um, but the Lord gave me this last week, um, I feel like, so uh, to relate to y'all. Uh, when the Lord comes in glory or his tangible presence, uh, I feel like tonight was a, a glimpse of what's to come. Uh, but when the Lord comes like that, uh, five things happen. Uh, we are changed, uh, our city is changed, it's tangible, it's messy, and there's there tends to be slander and accusation that comes with it. Um, the devil really does not like when the Lord comes like that. And the devil really does not like when God's people find out that they can actually interact with God himself uh, because we start to look like Jesus and then we become a threat to the devil. Um, I don't think the devil's really concerned with Christians going to church every Sunday or Bible study or... Um, or staying cooped up and gathering around each other. But when we start to look like Jesus because we've been with him, we start to leak heaven outside of this place. Everywhere we go, the grocery store, the, I'm still shaking. <laughs> the grocery store, the, uh, the bank, restaurants, we share the gospel with people, we pray for the sick. When we start to live like Jesus, that's when the devil has a problem with us. And it's moments like what just happened that actually, um, like there's grace attached to it to where you become changed, you become more like him, and then you start to live like him. And I would argue that you can't live like Jesus or truly know him until you experience him. Uh, and I talked about this last night. It's not enough to know about him in scripture. It's not enough to memorize um, the Bible uh, because there's an author behind it. And unless you encounter the author face to face, it's not gonna bring life to the scripture that you read. And so moments like tonight where we are face to face with Jesus and encounter him, something happens, something shifts in us. Uh, there's anointing released upon us to actually go live like Jesus. Does that, does that make sense? Yes. So when the glory of the Lord comes, when the presence of God is tangible and in our midst, we are changed, our city ends up being changed and we don't have to do any of these things. It's just the fruit of it. Uh, the fruit of an, a God encounters that we are changed, our city is changed, it's tangible, it can be messy, um, and there's slander and accusation that come with it because the devil really hates where God is showing up in, uh, in power and glory. Um, 
And you might find that out down the road when you start to pursue the Lord and seek first the kingdom of God above all else and you start to live out the gospel. You start to live a life where you minister to the Lord and, 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 and actually live like Jesus. You'll find out that, that what comes with it is usually some slander and accusation or false accusation or judgment or whatever uh, you wanna call it, persecution. I don't really, I think persecution is, we can't really call it that because live in America, but... Um, and it's usually, it usually comes from the religious community, um, unfortunately. Uh, but that's what, Je- that's what God Jesus crucified, the religious leaders of the day. They knew the scripture in and out, but they didn't recognize the living word in front of their face when he was there. And so I'm just, I, I love the Lord and I love when he leads us into something like that, but I want you to be aware of where we're going with that because we want this to be a weekly, daily occurrence in our lives where we meet Jesus face to face and we're changed, transformed, and empowered to to then go live the gospel. Um, If you don't know, uh, we say it all the time, but we exist to minister to Jesus and live out the gospel every day. We want to create a resting place for God himself in our city. And we wanna be known by the phrase, the Lord is here, uh, which tonight was awesome. (laughs) The Lord is here. And I've, I've been going back through Ephesians again. Um, are you guys okay with me just reading a lot of Ephesians tonight? Is that okay? It's scripture, you have to be okay with it. All right, I'm just gonna, we're gonna start in Ephesians one and we're gonna go through it uh, until three. All right, Ephesians one. And I'll, you'll, you'll understand where I'm going. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and, there's so many, oh, there's so many good verses in here. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Say, I am blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. <laughs> that was, a, I'm sorry, guys, that was a long sentence. I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You know what that means? You have, there's no lack in you if you're full of Jesus. There's no lack in you. There's no excuse for you not to live out the gospel or live like Jesus because he has blessed you with every blessing in the heavenly places. That's a, that's a really hard truth pill for us to swallow at Christians because it calls us to a higher standard. But you say, oh, it's impossible to live like that. No, it's not. Jesus was a man empowered by the Holy Spirit in right relationship with the Father and because of his blood, so are we. His grace empowers you to live out the truth that he's called you to. Encounters like tonight are what is necessary to walk like Jesus. Um, Okay, so he's blessed us with all the things in heaven. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. So not only do we get blessed with all of heaven, we're also holy and blameless. It's a win-win you can't lose. And it's, it's nothing that you do. It's all because of Jesus's love and what he did on the cross. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. 
in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ. So get this, right here, we have every spiritual blessing in the heavens given to us. We are holy and blameless. Um, he has forgotten our sins and we, all, we constantly have grace being lavished upon us. How can you not be happy about these things? You guys look dead right now. It's nuts that the God of the universe gives you heaven, not only gives you heaven, he forgets your sins, he's adopted you into his royal family and you are constantly being showered with grace every day. That's, that's insane. This is all truth, by the way. So like a lot of your thought, if, if you guys struggle with bad thoughts or like you think like hell um, or demonic thoughts or whatever, like this little section right here literally just throws all those bad thoughts out the window and replaces them with truth. You can literally combat every single lie with this little section of scripture. You guys know what I mean by that? Okay, the way that you, the way that you combat, 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 combat lies the devil the devil shoots him in the form of fiery arrows it's the it's the armor of everybody knows the armor of uh, of christ right put on the armor of christ uh shield of faith what does faith mean you just believe what god says about you so sometimes you forget what god says about you you drop the shield of faith and you get hit with a fiery dart the weapon has been dismantled uh, the weapons of the enemy have been dismantled according to colossians so what weapon is satan working with now he's working the only weapon he has is a lie and, and you have lies coming at you in the form of thoughts or accusations or, or whatever. And sometimes when you forget what God says, you drop the shield, you get hit with a lie from the devil. Then all of a sudden, you take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and you, back in the day, Romans, when they would get hit with arrows, they would dig out those arrows with, with the dagger that they carried. And I found that really interesting because the sword of the spirit is the word of God and it's used to remove the lies of the enemy and replace it with what scripture says about you. So if you hit, get hit with a lie, oh, I'm worthless. No, Jesus, he literally thought of you before the foundation of the world said, this is my son or daughter that I've declared as holy and blameless. Oh, I have nothing going for me. Oh, well, look right here. It says, God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavens. Every lie you can think of is you can combat with these scriptures right here. You can dig out that lie, replace it with the word of God and then bring back up that shield of faith and actually believe what he says about you. Make sense? Okay. In him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, whom you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed. Oh my gosh, another crazy thing. We're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, and this is what we prayed earlier, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened so that you may know the hope to which he has called you, 
What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might? That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. I could literally read this section of scripture for the rest of my life and never get tired of it. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things, say all things, under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. We get to play a part in this because Jesus is the head and he needs to be in a position of authority in our lives, both individually and corporately. And, and what happens and what, what we're building with the Lord here, and we wanna be careful using that phrase because um, the laborers labor in vain unless the Lord builds the house. And so we're not actually building anything. We're just... We're just ministering to Jesus and letting him do the work. It, it's, 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 it's been a hard, I don't know hard, it's, it's been an interesting thing to learn because none of us really learned how to, how to build with the Lord growing up. Uh, at least I didn't, I don't know. I'm, I'm learning along the way. Um, but we've learned a few things along the way. Uh, our, our good friend and mentor Mufa tells us uh, we, we ask him a whole bunch of questions about how church should work and it's frustrating because all he says is all you do is minister to the Lord and he takes care of everything else. And we're like, you're not answering our questions. And he's like, that is the answer to every question you could ever ask. Minister to the Lord and he'll take care of everything. And so we've been trying to do that the past couple of years and steward God's presence and he literally has taken care of everything so far. Uh, you know, we still have needs, obviously. We're trying to figure this thing out, but we're learning how to let him be the leader of our gatherings, and it's been amazing. It's been way better fruit than we could ever muster up in, with any strength or gifting, and we could certainly build a ministry out of strength, strengths and giftings. I'm anointed in certain things that we, I could build a ministry off of what I'm anointed in. Clay's anointed, Faith is anointed, Liz, all you guys are all anointed and you could build a ministry or build something for the Lord out of your own talent and gifting, but then you will be solely reliant upon those things to build and how you win people is how you're gonna have to maintain people. If I win somebody over to Jesus with my talent and my gifting, then I'm gonna have to continue to wow them to keep them in the seat. But if I let the Lord have his rightful place in our midst as the head of the body, and he's the, he's the evangelist, he's the shepherd, he's the prophet, he's the apostle, and he's the teacher, then when his presence comes into this place and someone experiences him, himself, Jesus just won that person. And now Jesus gets to maintain that person, which is right where I want you. Because I do not want you reliant on anything I can have to give you, uh, because then you elevate me in a place that I should not be in. Jesus is the shepherd that should be feeding you. And if you are not pursuing him individually in the secret place, do it now. Do it now, every single day, wake up, minister to the Lord, place Jesus in his rightful place in your life so that way when we come together, you are not in a position of lack, always having to come here to receive your nourishment. Instead, you are going straight to the Lord every day, receiving your daily bread, your uh, daily nourishment straight from him so that when we come together, you have something to give back to him. And that's when he 
is satisfied and, and like he has emotions that can be satisfied. He's jealous for you. He has requirements for praise that is acceptable to him, worship that is acceptable to him. I mean, how, think, I like to think about how the Lord's heart feels when if we were just to gather every week and, and just sing about ourselves or um, pray about ourselves or ask things of him, Lord, would you move? Would you do this? Would you do that? Those things are okay to ask him that. Uh, but I just, I've, I have a heart for his heart and how he might feel if all we did was ask for him to like fix us or help us or empower us. Instead, we wanna shift the perspective to Jesus. We're here to bless you. We love you. We, we're here to worship you. We're here to praise you. We thank you for being who you are. I think that delights his heart a lot more than, oh God, would you move? Am I making sense? And so in, in what we're building with the Lord, trying to allow the Lord to build it with a, with a mission to minister to him and live out the gospel every day, um, I feel like the Lord kind of gave me five indicators um, or necessary ingredients, if you will, to, to doing this thing. And it's found in, in Ephesians and I'm still processing, I'm gonna process some with you guys today, tonight. Um, but I'm gonna, I'll skip chapter two, I'm sorry. You guys, I would encourage you to read Ephesians when you get home or sometime this week. Uh, but we're gonna go into chapter three, um, verse 11. But if, if, if the church is God's body and Jesus is the head, like the Lord has designed, like he's already designed the way his church should function. And there's blueprints that we can go by or indicators that we need to learn from in scripture. In Ephesians three, he tells us uh, five gifts he's given to the church. Um, and I'm, I'll just read it. Ephesians three eleven, And he gave these gifts as love offerings to his bride church. It says, he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Um, how many of you get weirded out by the term, huh? Chapter, oh my gosh, 411. I'm so sorry. I can read it again if you want. Okay, I'm so sorry, 411, I'm blind. Um, no, you're good. <laughs> to mature manhood to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. Do, do, we, do we look like the fullness of Christ yet? No, I would say no, I don't think so, <laughs> not yet until we attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, has the church attained the unity of faith and knowledge of the Son of God fully? No, not yet. Therefore, we need all five of these love gifts that he has, he died to give you these love gifts to the church. They are apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, shepherds. Yeah, five, there we go. <laughs> now, am I going to... <sighs> Mm-hmm. Think, Jeff. My thoughts are all over the place. 
what do you guys like? What do you guys think of when you hear apostolic ministry? For me, I always thought of some African church, uh, because when we go to Nigeria, every church is an apostolic church. And in America, I hardly ever see apostolic churches except for the inner city sometimes. And they're always like old one-story buildings that look like they're closed down forever. Um, I don't know if you guys have noticed that. You guys notice that or no? Okay. (laughs) Mainly, we like non-denominational churches or, uh, I don't know, some of you may be Baptist or grew up uh, Pentecostal charismatic. There's so many different, I can't even keep track of them all. Um, but for the most part, we don't talk about what, like, what's an apostle. Are, do apostles exist today? Do prophets exist today? And I wouldn't say, at least here in Indianapolis, I don't hear a lot of churches talk about like, oh, this is apostle so-and-so or this is prophet so-and-so. I hate titles. I would never do that. Um, but we like teachers. We like shepherds. Sometimes evangelists offend us. If you ever heard the phrase that like the five-fold ministry and the, sh- the evangelist is the middle finger because he sticks out and he offends, he sticks out farther than the rest and he offends everybody. <laughs> but we, we love to talk about teachers. <laughs> Liz just got that. We love to talk, okay, I love you, honey. We love to talk about teachers or pastors or shepherds, but we don't talk about, okay, like does Jesus have a place for apostles anymore? Like prophets, um, that scares me because I've never met a prophet or I don't, um, like prophets are weird, right? They're those old guys that live in the woods. <laughs> Maybe I'm just, this is my experience. <laughs> don't, just ignore it. <laughs> but are, are these five love gifts to the church still in operation today? That's the question I, I think we have to answer first before Moving on, I would say absolutely yes, because we have not attained to the fullness of Jesus Christ and the knowledge of him yet. Does the church fully look like Jesus when he was here 2,000 years ago walking the earth? No. Does, does the body of Christ live in unity and, have, ha, and has attained the full knowledge of Jesus yet? Absolutely not. Therefore, these five gifts have to still be in operation. We may cut out some of them because we don't understand what it means, we don't know their role, um, and we're comfortable with a teacher because we have a Greek uh, classroom mindset in the West of where you're gonna sit down and I'm gonna teach you and you're gonna listen. That's what a teacher is. We're comfortable with that because we're so used to that in classroom settings. We're comfortable with pastors uh, because all they do is care about people and who doesn't wanna be cared for? So we're comfortable with pastors and we don't know really what to do with evangelists. They're often offended because the church doesn't listen to them. So then they church hop all over the place until the church listens to them. Um, However, I wanna point out, Jesus gave, gave the church these five gifts as love gifts to what? Equip the body so that we can attain to the, to the knowledge of Jesus and come into unity of Christ. And I would argue that until you have all five of these graces, because that's what they are, they're graces operating in a body, you're gonna have a hard time looking like Jesus. I need um, the, the grace of a, of a shepherd in my life because I don't really think like a shepherd um, I don't wake up wanting to care for people. I need the, <laughs> the grace of a prophet in my life who, who yearns to hear the voice of God. Um, and, and I wanna go over an overview real quick, but I, 
I feel like in a ministry that, or in a culture that we're building with the Lord to minister to him and create a resting place, we need these five ingredients in our midst in order to look more like Jesus together, collectively. And what we want to do is place Jesus as the head because ultimately these five gifts make up who Jesus is. When Jesus was here on the earth, he was an apostle, he was the perfect teacher, he was the perfect shepherd, he was the perfect evangelist, and he was, what's the other one I'm missing? He was the perfect prophet, there we go. Jesus represents the fullness, and these gifts come, um, come, to, us, come to us as parts of him, and when they come together, they bring into picture the fullness of Jesus. So when somebody... Sh- when somebody looks at a gathering of people that have all five of these graces, they should fully be able to see Jesus in operation. Um, and if you don't know, an apostle is a Roman term, it was a military term for someone sent um, to a different culture to replicate the culture of Rome. They were sent as an ambassador to a different culture to go and basically make it look like Rome. So an apostle, if you take that in terms of what, what Jesus is referring to here, an apostle is someone sent by heaven to replicate the culture of heaven. And I will tell you, apostles care deeply about what God thinks and what heaven is doing. And that's why I believe God, God wanted apostles, the apostolic grace, to be the forefront of vision for his church because they will not let the needs of the people override the activity of heaven. Am I making sense? An apostle partnered with a prophet is amazing because then they only care about replicating heaven and hearing what God is saying because a a prophet wants to hear heaven and listen into what heaven is saying. So then when you have a, a whole community of people being led by those two graces, you have a community that longs to, to copy heaven and hear what God is saying, and that is beautiful. And under that banner, you have the shepherds, you have the teachers and the evangelists. And under that banner, the shepherds, teachers, and evangelists are then empowered to do the best that they can do because they're not having to lead. When you have a teacher elevated in the highest position taking, um, taking leadership, then you have um, a very intellectual church. Uh, teaching is the highest priority. Attaining to knowledge is the highest priority. And that's, that's not the goal. I hope I'm making sense. <laughs> okay. When you have a shepherd elevated as the highest seat. You have a church that cares for lost people, a church that cares for sick people. You have, a, honestly, probably a seeker church. They're only, they're, they're gonna do everything based on the needs of people. But when you have uh, an apostolic grace covering the, the gathering, you have um, a, a group of people that, that, that wants to see what heaven is doing and do that. Okay, so those, those, these five things are ingredients or tools that Jesus gives us. And I'm not gonna say that like, it, it's totally for the Lord. I'm not talking about offices or the office of the prophet or the office of the evangelist or office of the apostle. We're not even gonna try and get into that. It's not our desire. We don't wanna set anybody in any office or any title. That's not the goal of what we're doing here. Uh, we just wanna recognize that if we know Jesus, there's gonna be a grace for all five of these things to operate in our midst. Um, 
I'm way, way less, I'm not even concerned about titles or for any person because our goal here is that Jesus would ultimately take the title of each of those five graces in our midst and that we would let him be the leader of the house. So when we do that though, there's the apostolic ingredient, which is replicating heaven by seeing what heaven is doing and just doing that. We know in heaven, for a fact, because it's in scripture, that there is 24-7 worship going on. There is 24-7 worship where they're saying, holy, holy, holy. They're declaring, they're praising Jesus. So we know it's a safe bet to probably just do that because we know we can replicate heaven if we just worship, if we adore Jesus, if Jesus is central in our midst. The prophetic ingredient is we, we agree with Jesus by hearing what he is saying. And how do we hear him? We have to see him rightly by positioning him rightly. And we know that, we know that thanksgiving, praise, and worship, those things position him rightly to see him more clearly in our midst, and that enables and empowers us to hear him clearly. Amen? Amen? It's pretty hard to hear Jesus if you don't see him for who he really is and, and study his scripture, learn his character. In order to do these things, we have to see him rightly. The evangelistic ingredient is live like Jesus because we are loved by him. It's hard to love someone else unless you're filled with the love of Jesus. It's not gonna happen. And we know in scripture that love never fails. It's a, it's a biblical principle, but so many, so many of us are living in a place of lack because we're not positioning Jesus on the throne of our hearts and he's not filling us to overflow. So we have nothing to give away, nor do we want to give anything away because we're so busy working on ourselves. However, in cultures that, what the Lord is doing here, I believe is that when he is elevated in his rightful place, we see him rightly, it's, it's inevitable not to be filled by him and encounter him. And when you are filled by him, you don't need anything from anybody and then you're in a position to love like him because you can freely give it away without expecting anything in return. Make sense? So live like Jesus because we are loved by him. If you let yourself be loved by Jesus, you will be changed and you'll actually wanna share it and give it away to other people. Uh, the teaching ingredient is instill what it means to minister to Jesus and live out the gospel by partnering with the spirit of revelation or the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's the best teacher in the world and his favorite subject is Jesus. So if we want a culture where Jesus is lifted high, I think it's a really good idea to partner with the Holy Spirit who raised him from the dead and has all the power. And then I don't have to rely on my talent and gifting to teach. I just partner with the Holy Spirit and what he's, what he's revealing about Jesus. Uh, the pastoral ingredient is to lead our people into righteousness by being fed by the shepherd. Jesus gives you his righteousness freely. It's yours. You didn't do anything to earn it. And if you catch the revelation of, of his righteousness that you're covered in, oh man, you're gonna let him pastor you and it'll be really, really, really good. Because a lot of you, not, not, I'm not talking, maybe, maybe some of you, I don't know. Um, uh, the revelation of righteousness, Jesus' righteousness changed my life because all I could do to try and earn righteousness was like filthy rags to Jesus. But he, what he did on the cross, he, be, he that knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. And if you let him shepherd you in that, oh my goodness, you will never need anything from any man or woman again. And I'm not saying, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that it's not 
good to be pastored by a pastor or to be counseled by a person. I'm just saying, unless Jesus takes that number one spot in your life that you're gonna be pastored by him, I would not take counsel or try and gain from people only what you can gain from the Lord. Okay, so the five indicators, I believe, of whether or not we are living out our mission, which is to minister to Jesus and live out the gospel every day, I think the five fruits that we need to look for, for Jesus, if, if we know we're hitting the mark in ministering to him, if these things happen, number one, we copy heaven, Number two, we see, hear, and agree with Jesus. Number three, we are loved by Jesus. Number four, we love the Holy Spirit. And number five, the Lord is the leader of the house. Number one, we copy heaven. Number two, we see, hear, and agree with Jesus. Number three, we are loved by Jesus. Number four, we love the Holy Spirit. Number five, the Lord is the leader of the house. I believe that these are the five indicators of whether or not we're ministering to Jesus or not. If we can answer these questions, are we copying heaven? Are we doing what heaven is doing? Are we seeing, hearing, and agreeing with Jesus? Are we being, are, are we being loved by Jesus? Do we love the Holy Spirit? And is the Lord the leader of the house? Because um, at some point, uh, the glory of the Lord is going to mark us and I wanna be ready for that if that happens. Like what happens? I mean, there are revivals in history where uh, Azusa Street Revival, where it was a prayer gathering. They gathered to pray and they started repenting and the glory of the Lord fell. And um, it, they, they had the fire department called on them because people said that the, the whole building looked like it was on fire and it wasn't on fire. And they had, they had that movement influenced the entire world People would, would fly, would travel miles and miles and miles to experience what was happening there. And so I just want to be ready if the glory of the Lord, if the Lord visits us in a way like that. Because, and I can promise you that if that happens, we'll be changed, our city will be changed, it'll be tangible, it'll be messy, and there will be slander and accusation because that makes people uncomfortable. Um, it's weird, uh, but that is my heart's desire for Indianapolis, and I think that is what the Lord is building towards here, and we want to be clear and make sure that the Lord is building it, not get in the way, repent if we do get in the way. The only thing we need to worry about is ministering to him and making sure we prioritize the secret place in our individual lives. If you can do those things, come hang out, be a part of community, get to know the people here, do life together, and let's wait for the Lord. Uh, but we need to proactively be pursuing him with everything we have so that we're ready if he decides to visit us in that way. Because I have a sense that he will. And when that happens, I don't think this, I think the place will end up being crowded. I'm not sure. And we need to not place our egos and pride in a way to where we think we're leading this thing. I think the, we're in training right now and the Lord is teaching us how to let him lead a gathering. How to let him uh, show up, how to let him be the apostle, the shepherd, the teacher, the pastor, the evangelist. Because if we let him, we, we prioritize placing him in that position, we'll have no problem with the fruit of his glory being his. I hope I made sense on all that. That was a lot thrown at you. Um, I would encourage you to read Ephesians uh, if you can. 
Uh, but the main point I wanted to get across was like, man, Jesus needs to be the leader. He needs to be the one. We're not concerned with giving ourselves titles here. We're not concerned with hierarchies or, um, I don't know. There's, there's so many ways to get caught up in like how to lead a church or how to lead a, a movement. But I think if we can just um, agree on one thing that Jesus needs to be lifted high, needs to be the leader and that we need to pursue him, I think we're good after that. I don't wanna overcomplicate it. The gospel's simple and Jesus deserves all the glory. All right, so Jesus, we thank you. Uh, we thank you for uh, coming and, and hanging out with us tonight and visiting us and encountering us. Lord, we don't, we don't wanna ever grow tired of those, of those moments. We thank you for those. And we ask for more, Lord, and we ask that you would teach us how to love you well, teach us how to worship you better, teach us how to praise you. Um, Lord, we love you, we love you, we love you. Convict us, God. Convict us to go after this with all we've got. Convict us to prioritize the secret place in our individual lives and convict us to hang out with one another and laugh and have fun and share the gospel and uh, just make our whole lives all about you. In Jesus' name, amen.